Let us be attentive. Wisdom. The reading is from St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. Let us be attentive. Brethren, I appeal to you by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no dissensions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brethren. What I mean is that each one of you says, I belong to Paul, or I belong to Apollos, or I belong to Cephas, or I belong to Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius, lest any one of you should say you were baptized in my name. I did baptize also the household of Stephanus, Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not want, did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel and not with eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Peace be with you, the reader. Arise, let us listen to the Holy Gospel. Peace be with all. The reading is from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Let us be attentive. At that time, Jesus saw a great throng, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. When it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a lonely place and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish, and he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they looked and they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. Then he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. Peace be with you who proclaim the gospel. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Yesterday, brothers and sisters, we celebrated the great feast of the transfiguration of our Lord and God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Every year on August 6th, we return to this feast that serves as a mirror for us to the great feast of Christ's resurrection. This particular feast <clears throat> brings out to us the message of Christ's presence in our lives as light. His presence in our lives as one who became light to the world. Let me share with you just a couple of thoughts as to what I believe Christ being the light of the world means to us. And I want to say that it means this particular thing to us today in 2022 here in Minneapolis. But in all truth, I'd be wrong because Christ is the light of the world forever. And it really meant the same thing, I believe, yesterday and a hundred years ago. And in the days when he walked the earth in the flesh. In his gospel, the evangelist John, chapter 8, verse 12, he says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of the world. But have the light of life. Forgive me. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. But of course, him being the light to all of us on an everyday basis can be rather arbitrarily interpreted, can it not? Particularly if we insist that our personal relationship with Christ God is just an individual feeling is just what I feel it is. It's going to be completely arbitrary and completely subjective. And it runs the risk, it runs the potential of being very different between me and you, between us and some other group down the street, between each and every person of the world. And that takes away the agreement, the agreement and the accordance that Christ God wants us to seek as a body calling ourselves by his name. And when we lose that agreement, brothers and sisters, it is entirely possible that we lose his presence in our midst. 
St. Augustine of Hippo, a saint better known in the West than it is for us in the East, has written a great deal and has written a great deal to offer clarification for the faith and clarification for the need for oneness with God and oneness with His church, with Christ's church on earth. And he has written so precisely because his youthful years were a turbulent time. He wrote a great deal, and what we have called in present-day language tractates, basically short lessons about various topics. And in his 34th tractate on the Gospel of John, he says this, when Jesus says, I am the light of the world, he says that he is the light of the world for our spiritual eyes, not only for the physical or bodily eyes. In fact, he gives this lesson because he is teaching the faithful to be vigilant with regards to a teaching from a group called the Manichaeans who believe that Jesus Christ is the physical sun in the sky. This is a simplification, but essentially, this was very much a likening to the sun-worshipping pagan religions. But Christ isn't that sun in the sky. He is not just a created planet, even if it is a vital planet for the functionality of the universe. He is more than that. He is more than that because he was at the creation of the very sun. And Christ is that sun who enlightens our minds and our hearts and our entire being, not just giving us the light of day. So if we are to understand Jesus Christ being the light of the world, if we are to understand Jesus in that meaning of him being light, that St. Augustine goes at length to explain, to what purpose would we want to consider Jesus Christ the source of the enlightenment of our minds and our hearts? To what purpose would we accept Jesus Christ to play that role in our lives, both as persons and as communities? Why, more precisely? Well, in this case, I'd like to make the claim, and it's not mine, for I'm only learning from the history of the church, that Jesus Christ is the light of the world that brings clarity, the light of the world that brings discernment, the light of the world that brings to us an ability to choose. 
Perhaps I need to explain myself here. Our world today, and it has experienced this kind of turmoil in the past as well, looking at history. Once again, don't get fooled by the statement of the good old days. There's no such thing. But our world today is experiencing an absence of clarity about a great many things that we deal with every day. We lose clarity as to our purpose in the world. And that's too large a thing to say, too much of a statement. But we lose clarity between our relationships as husbands and wives. We lose clarity between our relationships as parents and children, elders and youngsters. We lose clarity about our identities as men, women. We lose clarity about our purpose as politicians or as doctors or as priests. We lose clarity because for some reason we seem to love the gray area more so than preciseness. We seem to enjoy being in two boats just to make everyone happy, thinking that we will be happier ourselves when in fact this becomes just a further and further sinking into the depth of absence of clarity. Don't misunderstand me, brothers and sisters. There are gray areas. Nothing is absolutely perfectly clear cut. I realize that I am in the world that you live in too. And I'd like to believe that I am not with my eyes closed. Yes, there are lots of things that we need to discuss and debate and that we need to grow into understanding. Yet, our natural tendency is towards seeking clarity because clarity gives us an understanding of life. And it is our natural tendency to do so seeking the light of the world for discernment. And yes, clarity gives us ability to discern between holy and evil, between good and bad, between preferable and not preferable, between useful and slothful. as we receive and accept and embrace Christ as the light of the world in the teachings of the Lord Jesus through the church, and as the church has remained together in that oneness of agreement, in that growth of accordance with Christ's life on earth, brothers and sisters, and we grow in clarity and in discernment, we become able to choose and commit Commitment, brothers and sisters, is perhaps the greatest gift of Christ being the light of the world. 
because if we become one with him, growing in our clarity and our discernment, we find the ability to grow in our commitment to making those decisions, difficult as they may be, to remain at all times in oneness with him. In oneness with him. So now that I have gone through Augustine's offer to us as Christ, of Christ as the light of the world. And I've shared with you those three points that we gain by receiving Christ as the light. Once again, why would we choose that? Because it doesn't seem like an easy life, does it? The evangelist Matthew tells us why, or rather Christ himself in Matthew's gospel. Because brothers and sisters, Christ is not the light of the world for his own sake, but for you and for me. And he in fact calls us the light. He says, you are the light of the world. We, brothers and sisters, become that light that Christ himself gives. And if we become that light that Christ is to us, if we shine that light in the world, brothers and sisters, we cannot be hidden, just like a city set high upon a hill. We cannot be hidden because the world will see the light the light that they themselves will desire. Brothers and sisters, receive Christ as the light of the world. Amen.